You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Corey Johnson and Kush Parikh. Be sure to check us out weekly every Monday and Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. Also on Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. It's your boy. What up, y'all? It is Kush, and I got my co-host with me, Corey Johnson. Corey, how you doing? How was your weekend? Long. It was tiring. It was aching. I never felt like it was ever going to end for bad reasons, but it's over. It's a new week. And we got a lot to talk about, man. A lot of drama going down in sports, man. Let's get it. Nosebleeds. Here we go. When do we not have drama going on in sports? And that's why we love it. That's why we're here. That's why we're here, bro. We got we to gotta give these people what they want. Yes, sir. So let's start with on this day in 2001, the Lakers won their second consecutive NBA title. They defeated the 76ers 4-1. to one. And at the time... Kobe Bryant was the youngest player to win multiple NBA titles at 22 years old and 296 days old. Take a listen. <laughs> Just looking to run it down. That's the way it's gone for the Lakers, who finish with a 15-1 run. The best all-time playoff winning percentage in the history of the league. And the crowd booing the celebrating Lakers. Allen Iverson with another gutsy effort, playing with the bruised ribs. Finished with 37 points. Yeah, and the Lakers beat the 76ers, but Allen Iverson averaged 35.6 points per game in the finals, fifth most by any player on a losing team. And, I mean, the Lakers had, at the time, the best playoff record in NBA history going 15-1. and uh, do you remember this uh, NBA Finals matchup? Yeah, because, like, I was a kid at the time. And so, you know, kid growing L.A., Kobe is your idol at that point in time. You're, I was 100% rooted for the Lakers to win. But looking back on it and looking back on uh, especially that that performance that A.I. pulled out of his bag and just went crazy – and was able to steal a game on the road in LA. That's that's impressive to say the least. Because no, everybody thought that series was just going to be a clean, easy sweep. But Allen Iverson and to the credit uh, to the credit of the Philadelphia 76ers, they really tried to make that into a competitive series. But they were just outmatched. Couldn't defend Shaq down low and Kobe. He was doing his thing on the perimeter as well. So it was just that one-two punch was just way too much for them to try to overcome. Yeah, for sure. You want to talk about putting a team on your back. That's what yeah, I was trying to do. <laughs> I mean, it's hard when you got Shaq and Kobe on the other side of the court. Yeah, I think, like, that 76ers team is one of those teams alongside with LeBron James's early 2000s team that got to the finals against the Spurs. Those teams, to me, were – those teams that you're kind of looking at and you're just thinking like, how the heck did this team get to the finals? You look at that roster and I'm just thinking right now, the only two players outside of AI that I remember are Dikembe Matumbo and Eric Snow. So (laughs) the team really didn't have that much. That team was very makeshift and Dikembe Matumbo was far past his prime. He was in his latter stage of his career for sure. Yeah. But I mean, Larry Brown head coach, maybe you say like the coaching and uh, just like, Obviously, basketball was way different back then. And uh, somehow, some way, they were able to find themselves in the finals. And it was AI's only chance again to the finals. And if you look at their careers right now, I don't think it's that big of a stretch to say that AI is, is, is that today's AI is Russell Westbrook. 
I would say without a doubt that Russell Westbrook is hmm. damn I think, near. If, I, if he's I not, think, if he's I not, I think AI was a little more finesse though. Than oh yeah, Russell like as far as far as styles, they're different. But if you look at their careers right now, oh right, damn near similar. Like damn near similar. Both went to the finals one time in their but career. I mean, Westbrook also had. Kevin Durant, Ibaka, Harden. For sure. Yeah, which, really which, I mean, nobody. yeah. I mean, the only player that AI really played with in his career was Carmelo when he went to Denver. I would say Iggy, too. Iguodala. Yeah. Time. Yeah. Yeah. But, Kevin like, as Durant, far as, like, yeah. being, like, a, a top elite, maybe you could say top 10 player in the NBA, he was playing alongside Melo, and they were two of the league's leading scorers in the league and s- still struggled to get to the finals because – couldn't get past the Lakers. Right. And fun fact, Allen Iverson was on the cover of 2K, the first NBA 2K, and I think he was on there for like three straight years or four straight years, something like that. So OG Allen Iverson for the 2K community. Yeah. All right. Let's dive straight into sports. We got a lot to talk about. First things first, MLS, Major Leagues Soccer. Uh, the MLS's back tournament is what they're calling it, and it will take place at the Walt Disney World. And it's coming in a form of a World Cup-style competition. This is going to be the first sport to return since the pandemic. It's uh, scheduled to start July 8th and uh, scheduled to end August 11th. So, like I said, it has that World Cup vibe to it. 26 teams divided into six groups. One group has six teams. Two groups have four teams. And uh, each team will play three matches. And then the top two teams in each group will advance to the playoffs or in soccer, they call it the knockout stage. And uh, the, the cool thing is the group stage will count towards a regular season record and will, but the knockout stage will not. So a little incentive for this is the winners of the tournament will win a $1.1 million purse and will secure a spot in next year's CONCACAF champions league. Um, obviously with COVID going on and everything, there will be regular COVID-19 testing done for every player. Initially, when they come to Florida, it'll be done every other day for players, coaches, and support staff. Uh, but they'll be regularly tested, those players and coaches and refs before each match. So with the MLS being the first major league sport in America to start back up, what does this mean for the MLS? I honestly think this is a good thing for MLS because with them being the first sport coming back, it kind of gives them the, I guess you could say leg up because uh, MLB have been having issues as far as with the players association trying to negotiate a deal, but they seem like they're going to end up obviously having baseball. It's just not going to be a longer season. The NBA scheduled to come back late July but at the same time now, with everything that's kind of going on, um, it seems as if maybe that could get delayed because <laughs> uh, you have certain players that are not too sure about starting things up again. But with the MLS, um, I think this is a great thing for their league and for uh, the sport of soccer in America, just because when, when you mention about like the World Cup style, I think that's something that every four years, and especially when the U.S. is in it, that's a good thing for the World Cup because you're going to get that American viewership. You're going to get um, people to get interested in the sport of soccer. Um, And so I think that just being able to have a similar vibe in Orlando and be able to, to see these teams compete against each other, I think this is going to do wonders for the sport and could maybe drive in more viewership, drive in more fans and create even new fans for the game of soccer as far as the MLS and uh, U.S. soccer goes, because as we all know, like soccer in America isn't the most popular of sports. But I think that if this were to happen, this could do wonders for the MLS as a league. Right. And I think a lot of the knock for soccer is that it's not as fast paced as other sports. It has the potential to be, but it's not necessarily because you see a lot of the times players passing it behind center field and like you know that could go on for maybe five minutes in itself before they get it past the center field so I mean and then plus it's 90 minutes not a lot of people have the time to just sit down and watch soccer and like that but I think being the first sport back from this pandemic definitely helps them out 
in a big way. And you think about the 2026 World Cup coming to the U.S., this could be big for them. I think this is their chance to build a soccer fan base, not even MLS, just a soccer fan base in America. And it leads towards the World Cup and it just grows and grows from there. Absolutely. I think that um, MLS has always been looked upon as like one of the those leagues that really not a lot of soccer fans really paid attention to all that much unless you were uh you know like had like a team that you were rooting for or something like that or even if like there's a david beckham or like a rooney right 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 right. it's also been looked at as like a retirement league in some cases too so it's 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 had like a negative connotation and just because it's always nonstop expanding with the teams that they're always trying they're trying to keep on expanding the league which is great but at the time it's it's compared to the nhl compared to the nba compared to mlb who already have like a set amount of teams with their leagues if you're like a you know the smaller group and you're still trying to just keep growing your uh your league it's 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 hard to like maintain a focus about the teams that are in your league, the players that are in your league and recognize who the stars are of your league. So I think this is going to be their opportunity, their shot to be able to put on center stage. And like we mentioned, like no other major league sport is going on alongside them. So this gives them perfect ample opportunity to be able to showcase their stars, showcase their teams and be able to showcase MLS soccer. And so if if they're not able to take advantage of that, that's that's going to be a big missed opportunity. And like you said, with the twenty twenty six World Cup, still keeping that in mind, um, you, you got you got to to really go ahead and 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 go for it at this point in time because um, we've been talking about this like the past few episodes. People are begging for sports. People are begging for sports, and they're seeking to go and watch it wherever they can. Like. There's even been um, viewership has gone up in a marble league, like where they're just <laughs> shooting marbles. They're shooting marbles down, and people have like gone crazy watching that. So don't tell me that they, that people would not be interested in checking out the MLS. It's just right, all about I, how they do it. And I think um, so. so, so their their whole MLS's whole campaign that they're kind of going off of is that this is your next show to watch you have 35 episodes of a show on the mls because we know during quarantine we've just been binge watching shows on netflix hulu whatever the case may be and yes or and mls is basically saying this is your next show to watch but i want to take it back to you were saying about the stars of the league there's actually could be a big um some big news is that reigning league MVP Carlos Vela may not even take part in this tournament because due to his partner being pregnant and the whole COVID situation, he doesn't want to take that risk. And also Javier Chicharito Hernandez is in the same situation, but LA times did say that he would take part in this tournament. So what are your thoughts if some of the stars aren't even playing in this? It could definitely hurt. It'd be like if MLB didn't have like guys like Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, uh, Nolan Arenado, uh, Mookie Betts, if they didn't have like their premier guys playing and they were pretty much having lesser names, it kind of hurts because already MLS, like I said, is looked upon as like a little brother. If you're not really giving people the stars to look after, when I look at professional sports, um, I, I somewhat compare it to, as far as marketing wise, I compare it to like how WWE markets their stars or like you look at like how a fight is being promoted if you can't promote the fight and get people to care about who's fighting, nobody's going to watch or nobody's going to tune in. If people don't understand the backstory of why the guys are fighting or understand um, the beef that the two guys have for each other, then nobody's really going to care. Cause if there's like legitimate like beef, like, cause I think with like Habib and uh, McGregor, the reason that fight was just so intriguing was because the of what everything had gone on behind the scenes or like what everything that had been going on like not even dealing with them trying to fight each other like the build-up to the fight was just so incredible and like you could say the same thing like with any other sports league like with the finals even though people said like oh i don't want to watch golden state versus the cavaliers for all those all those years golden state versus lebron 
Yeah, 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 yeah. People still tuned in because they were like, they wanted to see at first, like, could the Warriors defeat LeBron? And then they wanted to see, could LeBron defeat the Warriors? So it kind of, it kind of like, like the villains and the heroes kind of flips, uh, flipped on each other. Cause at first everybody, I think majority of people were rooting for the Warriors to, to take down LeBron and, and the Cavs. And then it kind of flipped because the Warriors became the team that got Kevin Durant and they were like the, the big prime dogs in the evil <laughs> dynasty that right. everybody wanted to see fall. So you got to have those storylines. You got to have a reason to care. You got to have that because if, if, if just because you're the only, you know, sport in town or the only sport to watch doesn't just guarantee that everybody's going to come your way. You have to give people a reason to tune in and get them to focus on you instead of just, you know, watching, Netflix or Hulu or something like that. They got to, you got to bring them and give them a reason to come in. Right. Right. And also in more MLS news, just to throw this in NBA superstar, Kevin Durant has bought a 5% stake in MLS team, the Philadelphia union. So kind of a cool little fact right there that just happened before we started recording this episode. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of NBA players are definitely trying to go that ownership out and have a stake in some teams like i know obviously lebron has some I mean, ownership of liverpool i believe yeah i mean shit when those begin those nba contracts if you look at those dollars the amount of zeros at the end of that paycheck exactly for sure i would too all right now moving on to the nfl we got some big big news the minnesota vikings are seeming that they're going to be in the same spot the Chargers and Cowboys were in last year with their star running back. Dalvin Cook has expressed that he will hold out and not take part in any more team activities without a new contract. Uh, Dalvin Cook was a second-round pick out of Florida State, and he's in his last year of his rookie contract, and he's set to make $1.33 million. Uh, Cook had a breakout year last year. He had over 1,600 yards from scrimmage, 13 touchdowns, and made his first Pro Bowl appearance. And, I mean, like I said last year, you had Ezekiel Elliott getting a six-year, $90 million contract. And just recently, Christian McCaffrey got a four-year, $64 million contract. So, Cook is looking to get a tier under that. He knows he's not going to get the top, so, but he, he's looking for something around $13 million a year. And the Vikings reportedly offered him something along the lines of $8 million a year, which Cook felt disrespected by. So, if you are Dalvin Cook, do you think he has earned – an extension or do you think the Vikings should even give him one? Um, well, like you said, he had a breakout year, but when we're looking at paying guys, I'm always from managerial perspective, I'm looking at consistency. I'm looking at consistency. I'm looking at what you've done in totalitary of your contract. Does it warrant, me giving you a payday because you have one year and at a position like running back where at any point in time, the magic is gone like that. I don't know if I want to example Todd Gurley, example Todd Gurley, DeMarco Murray, the list goes on and on and on and on, dude. Like we've seen so many different times where running backs get paid and they become a shell of themselves within at least a two year, maybe even a year after they get their contract. So, I don't know. Dalvin Cook has had a little bit of an injury history. He kind of, you know, was struggling to find himself in the NFL. Like you said, he had a really strong season. Um, And the Vikings, I feel like with Kirk Cousins, he definitely needs that running back option. And obviously, you don't want to break up a a, a tandem that's still trying to find their way and, and you know, develop their chemistry and get things right as far as offensively. And especially with Stefan Diggs now gone, you kind of do have the money to pay him. It's just a matter of do the Vikings want to go that route and decide to give him that 13 mil that he's looking after. And I'm, I'm thinking that they probably will end up maybe compromising. Maybe they go like maybe 10 or like nine and a half or something like that. But, again, it just depends on what, what Dalvin Cook is willing to, to take because I'm not sure if he's going to get what he, he thinks he's owed. Yeah, and the Vikings made some big moves recently by cutting Xavier Rhodes and Linval Joseph, and that was to help Kirk Cousins get a two-year, $66 million extension. So, But like you said, I think 
with Dalvin Cook, consistency is a huge thing, but I think durability is even a bigger thing than consistency. I mean, the guy has been injury prone over his career, his rookie year tore his ACL, missed three quarters of the season. And then 2018, he missed five games due to a hamstring injury. And then last year he missed two games with a shoulder sprain. But last year he did play 14 out of the 16 games, which is still good for a running back. But over time, he's only been healthy for 60% of the time. And I mean, yeah, he had a breakout season, but like you said, they lost Stefan Diggs, Thielen's the only guy, Kyle Rudolph's getting on the older age. Their defense isn't looking as good as it once used to. You still got Kirk Cousins. I think you may have to pay the guy just, you know, to have that security blanket. But I think injury is the biggest question that raises the red flag, and I don't blame the Vikings for having that red flag. And even if they don't sign Dalvin Cook, they still have a solid backup in Alexander Madison out of Boise State. And, I mean, he's a suitable one, too. He averaged 4.6 yards per carry versus Dalvin Cook's 4.5 yards per carry last year. So they do have options. But I definitely see the Vikings potentially coming to an agreement with him and paying him because the guy's only 24 still. So he still has a long time in the NFL to go. But, again, durability is a question. Yeah, and then, like you said, the offense is – as gone through struggles for the past couple of seasons or so they've been very inconsistent as a whole and you already lost a star star wide receiver in Stefan Diggs like you mentioned the offensive options are very limited already do you really want to pretty much lose out on a running back too so it's a big decision that they got to make in uh Minnesota but we'll see what happens all right let's move on Texans coach and GM Bill O'Brien said that he will be taking a knee during the national anthem next season with players to protest racial inequality and police brutality. Uh, O'Brien attended George Floyd's funeral last week as well. And he's always been supportive of this movement, even in 2017, when majority of the Texans players took a knee after, even after team owner, Bob McNair said, we can't have inmates running the prison referring to, players kneeling and protesting during the national anthem uh it even goes back to 2018 when he said in an interview when it comes to players rights to express themselves i'm always for that so i mean bill o'brien has made some very questionable moves as a gm personally (laughs) and i think he has a long way to go to win back the texans fans or even nfl fans in general because i feel like an even an nfl fan if they were in his seat i don't think they would have pulled the trigger on moves that he's made um, some notable ones, obviously, trading DeAndre Hopkins and only getting a second-round pick and David Johnson, an injury-prone David Johnson back, and then trading a second-round pick to get Brandon Cooks. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on Bill O'Brien making these statements about kneeling with players this upcoming season? Well, the fact that you just mentioned, because I wasn't fully aware that he has uh, made statements prior to, but uh, I think that as long as it's on brand for him. Cause you know, like the thing that I feel like with a lot of people during this time is that they're making statements that, okay, you've never said anything about this or you've never really, you know, not to say that you can't come out and say anything or, but it's just interesting that now that the spotlight is on this issue, now you decide to say something or now you, it's you're, just convenient. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's convenient and it's not really difficult for you to come out and say anything. But the fact, like you said, that he's been talking about this is on brand for him. So I think this is a good uh, sign for him to build the trust of his players, build the trust of the fan base, and pretty much show that, okay, yeah, I've made some questionable moves. Yeah, I've made some moves that people are not too happy about. But regardless of how you feel, regardless of what you think about me as a GM or a head coach, I'm going to stand with my players. I'm going to uh, be here for them in their time of need, and I'm going to support them any way that I can. So I think that's a, a credit to him as a leader and as a head coach to be able to recognize that and be able to step up and be able to uh, recognize that this is a good opportunity for me to show um, that I'm I'm not going to be on the fence or I'm not going to stay silent here. I'm going to uh, 
take a knee alongside with the players so that they know that regardless of whoever is in the facility, that the head coach has their back. Right. And I think business perspective, not the best GM, but personal perspective, I think his statements in 2018 and 2017 speaks volume about his character. And I think that's something that players and fans can definitely rally around that could help him in the long run as well. Since we're on the subject of the Texans, it just came out. Ian Rappaport reported that multiple Texans and Cowboys have tested positive for COVID-19, including star running back Ezekiel Elliott. So, I mean, just when we thought, you know, we're not hearing a lot about athletes testing positive and stuff like that, we get this bomb dropped on us and feels like we're taking one step forward, but then two steps backwards. What are you I mean, that's, that's, that's the exact wording. You couldn't have said it any better than that. And like Ezekiel Elliott um, and these players testing positive, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, dang, like, <laughs> like, it's like whenever it's like a notable person, it's like, or somebody that you obviously seen in, like, you know, that's nation that's known renownedly around the sports world. It's kind of like, dang, they got exposed to it. It's like kind of crazy. Like the same thing happened when like Von Miller also got it too. It was like, what? Like, no way. But um, it just kind of hits you when you, you you get that news and you're just thinking like, man, like you said, making progress, you think, and things are going in the right direction. And then all of a sudden you find out some more news about COVID and it's kind of just like, kind of brings your whole mood down. <laughs> so uh, I just think that with uh, these players kind of testing positive, it, it should just kind of show you and kind of reveal to the public and not just NFL fans, but worldwide to everyone that things are not quote unquote back to normal. So I think everybody needs to continue to stay uh, with the precautions, continue to wear their mask, continue to social distance, continue to follow the steps and guidelines so that, you know, things can get under control because uh, I don't think that for the remainder of the year, you can quote unquote, go back to the same old, same old. Right. And I think a lot of people are worrying about, oh, when's that next second wave going to hit of coronavirus? I mean, we're not even past the first wave. We still got to focus on the first wave of coronavirus. And you can definitely see it right now with players like Ezekiel Elliott and players of the Texans organization and Cowboys organization getting it. So I think we definitely still need to be cautious about it. I get that everyone is, you know, fed up with it, but still practice safety. Um, And speaking of the Texans, uh, their star quarterback, Deshaun Watson, and their former wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, promoted on social media a link to a petition to remove the John C. Calhoun Honors College, remove John C. Calhoun's name. Uh, and there was 20,000 signees for this. So Clemson took this petition and they actually on Friday voted to change the name from John C. Calhoun Honors College to the Clemson University Honors College. And a little bit of background, John C. Calhoun served as vice president of the United States from 1825 to 1832. And he was an outspoken advocate of slavery, calling it a positive good. So that's why many players wanted to get rid of it uh what are your thoughts on this movement so and like just to like take it even a step further like as far as with like schools kind of go going back and or i guess like any time where like people go back like i think it was like the same thing like where I forget where it was, but I know like a Robert E. Lee statue got removed as well um, just because of like the current times. I have mixed feelings about it just because on one hand, you you understand like what those people stood for and what they believed and what they were uh, trying to accomplish in their efforts. But on the other hand, it's almost like it almost feels very similar to not putting those guys who use steroids in MLB in the hall of fame. Cause it's almost like you're trying to like wash your hands clean and you're almost like trying to, 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 to quote unquote cleanse everything and make everything appropriate. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're trying to be like, Oh, well, 
yeah, that person never existed or that person had never had any affiliation with the school or, or anything like that. Or um, like also in the NBA, I know John Morant, he was uh, telling, uh, asking Murray State, his, his former school, that if they could remove a, a Confederate statue. So it's a similar, similar situation as well. And it's almost like with these schools, uh, like, like doing so, I get it. It's a good thing. Do it as far as like removing it. Cause I don't care. Like, I mean, it's not like they're removing my statue or something like that, or they're removing my name. But at the same time, it's, it's just like interesting to me. Cause I'm almost curious as to far as far as like, is the goal to, to get rid of it because of what it stood for, or is it in a way to, to, to get rid of it because somebody feels offended by it or they're upset about like who that person was and I guess like what they represent. Like, I'm just not 100% under like sure about like why we're doing or why, why they're removing certain things. Cause if the goal is to remove it um, because of the symbol because of what it is, then all right, cool. But if you're trying to like wash your hands clean of it, then I mean, that's never going to happen. Cause... No, I, I definitely think they're removing it because of what it stands for. And I think right. Clemson is doing it for sure because it doesn't – maybe it doesn't speak to their to their values, what they value. And I think that's right. what DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson were trying to raise awareness for, for people to get on board to get it removed because that's not Clemson's value. And I think it, if Clemson kept it, then they could potentially lose out on – players like DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun exactly. Watson. Who, exactly. They don't want to come off as like being like racist or they don't want to come off as being insensitive, especially at this time. I think that everybody has to, to, to understand that like you're going to send a clear, obvious message wherever you, you decide, whatever you decide to do and whatever you decide to say is going to speak volumes to your character. I think. Yeah. I think I personally think it's a good move by Clemson to get rid of it and make it something generic as Clemson University honors cars. Like, they're not even honoring someone else. So, I mean, it doesn't – it's not like – I don't know. I, I don't buy the whole washing their hands situation. I think they're genuinely doing it because that's not something they stand for. But Understood, like, understood, understood. Like, like you said, the whole John Morant thing, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because – I mean, do you see more schools or even players coming out and doing this? Because John Morant, he wanted the Confederate statue of Robert E. Lee that's been up there since 1970. He wanted that removed. And he's asked a Kentucky judge to remove it from downtown Murray. And John Morant, obviously having such a big voice and such a big impact on Murray State itself, he basically put Murray State on the map. Yeah, yeah. I mean uh... – he did, he did like create like a huge volume as far as uh, what he did with his time there. But um, it's just interesting like to see how like these schools and how these, uh, these areas will react to, let me just give you an example, right? Like, like John Morant, he went to Murray state from like 2017 to 2019. So he was there for like little over two years or two years or so. And then, you know, he put their school, he did a lot of things for their school, brought notoriety, you know, obviously probably gained money for them by getting them to the NCAA championship. I mean, NCAA tournament. But at the same time, I'm just thinking like, you know, he was only there for like two years. Obviously, I, I, I you know, and I'm not sure if he's going to graduate or whatever, but um, I'm just wondering, like, if that came off as like, if, if that if somebody would come off thinking like, like, who are you to tell me, like, how things have been when you've only been at the school for, like, less than two years? You know what I mean? Like, that, that sort of situation, like, sort of making them feel like, okay, because you're an NBA player, you were the number two overall pick, and you represent our school, you can just tell us what, what, what we got to do here, what we got going on over at, you know, at Murray's? Well, I think more than that, it's the platform that he has it's just like maybe a lot of people are thinking about this stuff but you know they're nobody so it's like what am I to say something like this so the fact that John Morant does have the platform the fact that he was a number two pick and taken by the Grizzlies and now turning into a potential star in the NBA he has a platform and I think that's more true. people are rallying around that and that's why his voice needs to be heard and that's why athletes and celebrities need to utilize their platforms 
and yeah, because they they can speak on behalf of people that have no voice or are afraid to speak up but if they see one of their idols or something like that speak up about it they're like okay i can get behind this yeah yeah that's very true because like um, um i mean i feel like pretty much everybody now has a voice because of social media but the thing is, is that when a celebrity says something or an athlete says something it's almost taken a little bit more serious or people look at it more intensely than the average Joe, or if, if you or I were to say something, it's not going to like, it's not going to like, just like blow up the internet or anything like that. I mean, I would, that'd be crazy if we had that power to just be like, press, press a one button. Day. And then, yeah, one, press, one, a button, day we're, we're press one button, it. press one button and send shockwaves around the world. But, <laughs> but yeah, at the same time, it's just like, I, I, I understand. Cause like, they do provide a voice to those who feel a certain way. Um, but like I always say, like, you know, if Ja's going to come out with that, he can't turn around if they decide to keep the statue up and be upset because that's been their history, their tradition and, you know, stuff like that for years. So for them to just tear it down, I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't expect them to do it. And if they do do it, then kudos to him for for willing to to do that but to well, expect to, somebody to to just you know get rid of everything that they believe in or their history or, or like i don't know i don't expect somebody to just do that like because some guy told him to and to kind of give context on john morant's stand he sent a letter to the kentucky judge and said quote as a young black man i cannot stress enough how disturbing and oppressive it is to know the city still honors a Confederate war general defending white supremacy and hatred, end quote. I definitely see where he's coming from. I definitely see where he's coming from. I um, think the whole thing that you you were saying about them just not taking the statue down, I think that comes with change in society and us evolving as a society. And I right. think that's why... It, but, change, hope- but change, I think, because I think a lot of people are expecting this... Uh, they're expecting things to happen like overnight. Obviously we have a microwave society where we expect things to happen just like right away. But you have to think as human beings, we don't really change is hard to adapt to at first. Think about it. It's been hard to adapt to just this COVID-19 stuff. Now you're telling people that you have to change your way of thinking. You have to change your way of viewing the world. Well, I, I, I fully, I fully, yeah. I fully agree with you on when it comes to that part. But I mean, I think little and little, especially when it comes to us as the United States as a democracy. Right. I'm not saying that, like. So um, I, I agree where you're coming from. But I'm I, not saying I'm not saying that he's wrong for sending out this letter. I'm not saying that anybody who is pushing for this is wrong. Or I'm just saying that understand from their point of view these are like what 50 40 60 something year old people who have viewed the world from a certain lens and now you're telling them to take that lens away and come and look at the world through my perspective or uh a different perspective that's hard that's hard because that's something that and and some people have not been outside of their rural area or their um you know just the, the certain area they, they've not not even really been exposed to a certain kind of people so <laughs> well i i that, that i do agree when it comes to that point that you're making right now but i think little by little if you keep pushing people's hand to make a move it's eventually going to happen like if you look at this whole thing that's going on in the united states right now with social injustice this has not been a thing that just happened within the past couple years this has been going on for god knows how long and there's a lot of people are not aware of it until the last straw broke with george floyd and now people are protesting and now they're like okay if you guys aren't going to do things we're going to take things into our own hands and raise awareness about it and that's when the whole world is kind of seeing what's been going on so i think little by little by you know pushing people's hands to finally do something to make change something like that it's eventually going to happen but like you said it's not going to happen overnight i agree with that i 100 agree with that and people some people are radical to think that 
they it will happen overnight but i think these little little changes will you know blow up into a huge change that may happen whenever the kid whenever it is yeah like rome wasn't built in a day like, like like empires and dynasties are not built in a day like even from a sports analogy like the warriors were a bad team for a good while like you know what i mean like the patriots were a bad team for a good while but what happened they were able to get hot with the draft they found their guys they were able to get pieces that surrounded them and next thing you know championships boom so so the same thing is happening from that perspective with this it's going to take some time you're obviously going to have to get your ideology to be at the forefront and not have your message misconstrued it because a lot of times the message has been misconstrued several different ways um and it seems as if one one day it's we're we're trying to get equality and we're trying to get this and then other days it's just like oh focus on the rioters the looters and and you know all that type of stuff so it's all about trying to make sure that similar to because i look at it as like stephen a smith loves to say that lebron james his biggest issue with lebron is lebron loves to control the narrative but if you think about it, the reason that LeBron controls the narrative and things kind of flow through him is because he doesn't want anybody else to dictate what his message is or what he's trying to put out uh, as far as tweets or his organization or when he does an interview or anything like that. He wants it to be, I'm in full control of my own destiny. And as a human being, that's what you want. You want to be in control and not feel like, somebody is forcing your hand or forcing you to have to act, say, and be a certain way. You want to be able to have the freedom to think individually. But at the same time, do you not want feedback? That's true. That's true. You have to be able to take criticism, which, you know, obviously certain people can't take. Nobody's nobody's perfect. Yeah, nobody's perfect. No, no. So it's it's just, it's just all about like, since we're such a, um, we're very much social media heavy in the society. Um, it's just sometimes like we'll look at stuff that we hear on Twitter or we'll look at stuff that we see on Instagram or whatever. And we'll kind of like step back and try to uh, evaluate, okay, how does maybe that apply to me or how can I change or how can I do something to better myself? And in some capacities, maybe that doesn't even have anything to do with you. It's just, I think a lot of times people are so interested in adding to the conversation when I think the best thing right now is everybody should just be trying to focus on listening and trying to understand where a certain side is coming from, evaluating what they're saying, give a response, and then the other side should be able to do the same thing. Because when you're conversating, it's constant it's more about listening and hearing than what you're actually saying. Because you, you could even, during a conversation, your body language and the stuff that uh, is outside of just your words speaks volumes. Because like we say, actions is going to speak volumes uh, throughout this time and towards the reaction of what is going on with the protests and stuff like that. But my whole thing with this is just, like I said, I'm cool with any athlete any team, any celebrity using your platform, it's just whether or not when you get the response that you didn't want or didn't ask for. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised and don't get upset. Like, I, I, I get that. That should be their right telling you this is how I feel. And once you learn how they feel, you have a decision. Do you want to continue to, tr- to try to change their mind or try to get them to see your point of view? Or do you just say, hey, lost cause, I'm going to move on to the next one? Exactly, exactly what you just said. I think having our, our biggest thing is just to have an open mind. Because if you don't have an open mind, I think you're kind of just feeling ignorance at that point. And I'm not saying necessarily you have to agree with them, but that, I mean, right. just, and look, just understanding of, the other side. Right. There's a lot of ignorant people out there. Like we're all ignorant on some level or some capacity because not not, nobody knows everything. Not everybody knows everything or everybody not everybody's educated on everything so you have to be willing to recognize okay i don't know a whole lot about this topic or this subject so maybe i need to 
do a little research. Maybe I need to, you know, do, do uh, my due diligence and see where, where I'm missing it. And if there's those who don't want to do that, don't chastise them. Don't be upset because again, I would appreciate, I appreciate when somebody tells me upfront how they feel versus telling me or lying to me and telling me what I want to hear. Tell me the truth. Tell me how you feel. Tell me what's on your mind. Tell me what's in your heart. Because then when I recognize that, I can make the decision of not having to, anything to deal with you. So that's just my focus on, on this whole entire situation. All right. All right. Let's move on. Um, the NBA, uh, big news Friday night, the NBA players voiced their concern about starting the NBA back up due to the time of everything that's going on in the U.S. Uh, Brooklyn Nets guard Kyrie Irving led a conference call of players, both from the NBA and WNBA, on Friday night. In this call, they discussed their thoughts on, you know, the racial and social injustices in the country. And Kyrie Irving made it notably clear that he does not think playing and continuing the NBA season is a good idea. He said he's willing to give up everything I had for the social reform so i mean he has come out and said that he's not playing anyways but it could do to injury but Kyrie irving is a superstar in the nba and he's also the vice president of the nba pa and he also said quote i don't support going to orlando i'm not with this systematic racism and bullshit something smells a little fishy whether we want to admit it or not we are targeted as black men every day we wake up so these comments are coming after a call that they had and about resuming the season, which happened after they had already agreed. The NBA PA has agreed to the NBA that they're resuming the seasons. And I mean, some players are with Kyrie Irving and agreeing with him, but some players are also believing that, you know, we need to get back on the court because we feel like we can still inspire change through playing basketball because NBA is a big platform in itself. And Dwight Howard is also a notable player who said, well, who sided with Kyrie Irving and said returning would be a distraction. And it kind of speaks volume to him because Dwight Howard is having a rejuvenation to his career. I mean, the guy has been knocked ever since he left Orlando for a long time. But, and right now he's playing great with LeBron James, playing great with Anthony Davis, and he has a solid shot to win his first NBA championship. But even himself – said that he's willing to put that on the back burner to focus on social justice reform. So what, what are your thoughts? Do you think the NBA should start back up or do you think, you know, they should halt it because of everything going on in the country? I think that, um, that that is a, it's, it's ultimately see before I even like, you know, talk about like whether or not it's just fun. It's interesting to me that, uh, sports, the sports world or the sports media loves to talk about how open-minded the NBA is and how great of a commissioner Adam Silver is. And like, when have you ever heard like anybody ever like heavily criticize Adam Silver as a commissioner? You don't hear that. You don't hear people criticize the NBA outside of the, the China issue heavily as far as when it comes to like social issues majority of the time people praise the NBA because they feel like the NBA gets it. The NBA is a player's league. The NBA has pretty much gave a little, a lot of more leeway to their players versus the NFL where star players can get cut damn near at any time, depending on their value and depending on their work to their team. So I think that it's, it's just interesting now that this, this is coming out as far as this, potential splitting of these two factions, these two sides of uh, players that want to play versus players that don't want to play. And just to go towards the comments that were made by Kyrie, I feel like Kyrie, since he, for a good long time, I think that Kyrie has always been on his own wave. You know what I mean? Like he, he's, he's, he never really has given a fuck what people have to say about him. Like, like I mean, he just guy, doesn't care. Said that he the doesn't world, care. He said the earth is flat. Yeah. And, and he's always been a guy that I feel is not going to care as far as um, how he's labeled and how uh, 
like 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 he he just he just comes across to me as someone that would retire tomorrow if he felt he he just was things, done with basketball. Things didn't go his way. Look at when the whole uh, drama was happening with him, LeBron, and Cleveland, and where he pretty much put Cleveland in a position where he was forcing their hand to trade them because he said, if you don't trade me, I'm just going to get surgery. <laughs> I'm just going to get surgery, and I'm pretty much going to be done for this entire season. So you're not going to have me anyway. So you might as well just trade me, get some value for me, get something for me. Otherwise, you're going to see me walk out the door, and <laughs> I'm going to be out of here. So I think that Kyrie has always just been a guy who rides his own wave. Uh, he He clearly – kind of displays that like as far as his play style like his uncle true his uncle drew type play style really he doesn't really need teammates <laughs> he's he's a one-man band like he just can dribble past the defenders and the way that he plays speaks volumes to i think his character because it kind of shows you that like this dude really doesn't care what teammates think about him coaches think about him fans think about him what the media thinks about him, he doesn't care because he understands that I have to be the one that values myself. I have to be the one that values what I have to say. And so I think that him coming out and making these statements is very much on brand with Kyrie Irving. Yeah. I mean, and you, you have those players like Dwight Howard that are agreeing with him, but you also have the opposite side. There's players who want to get back out on the court. Kyle Kuzma. Austin Rivers came out and he disagreed with Kyrie because he believes that, you know, some players need their paycheck and can use that money to fund causes that would help this social justice reform. So, and even Garrett Temple, a teammate of Kyrie Irving on the Brooklyn Nets, said earning paychecks will help fight systemic oppression. So, I feel I mean, like, I feel like, um, you obviously need money and you and money is like really helpful. And, 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 but just from my experience, I don't believe that money is the be all end all because there's been so many different organizations. There's been so many different uh, donations that have been made. There's been so many different programs. There's been so many different, like for years, decades that's been going on. But people are still saying that, like, things, has, things are still, still bad. Things are still, you know, not changed. So my thing is that it's not a money issue. It's more of a cultural issue. It's more of a having to, 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 to and, and just stepping aside from, like, the sports element, it's more of a in-the-house issue. It's more of an everyday uh, black man, black woman issue to me. It's it's not just simply on the shoulders of expecting celebrities to empty their bank accounts to help satisfy the needs of of the people. Because we've I've, look, I'm just I'm just saying because I've seen time and time again, money is getting donated, money is being passed around, but. We don't know where that money's going. <laughs> we don't know where that money's going. We don't know how that money's truly impacting the community. And we don't know how much that money is causing change or how much these programs are really causing change. So I think that while, yes, money is important, it is important for these guys to be earning their paychecks so that they can not only be able to take care of their families, but of course, help in any way possible that they can. But I just don't think that the solution is through donating or through 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 monetary through 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 monetary funds. Well, okay, that brings up my next question then is how can this social injustice movement and the NBA if it's not money, how can they work hand in hand to, with one another to raise awareness at the same time to also have a season and play basketball? I think that it, they they can still do both. I feel like they can still do both. I feel like they can still go down to Orlando, still continue the season, still play out, still be able to um, show case their solidarity with the movement. But then at the same time, um, they, they could 
if they there there's different solutions and there's different options that they can do. They can go down to different um, wherever they are, like as far as their communities, they can go down and talk to the community leaders. They can talk with um, the 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 police that are over their communities and 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 really try to not only try to push for changes but also understand things from the police's perspective or gain perspective on why cert- why police do certain things because it's a quick it's a quick scenario where you're you're, you're it's, it's it's seconds that go by and life or death could be on the line in 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 their in their jobs and so i think that a lot of people don't always understand that and and but moreover than not i think that nba players if they need to be seen in the community like i think it was a great thing that like you saw things like you know jalen brown and malcolm brogdon and and guys that are quote unquote celebrities getting involved in the community and i'm not saying that all of them have to be necessarily leading the protest or but or even protesting but just being in in impactful with as far as being willing to 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 help out especially with the younger generations that look up to these guys and just help them to understand that like okay you're seeing these things but i think a lot of people are are are, are the emotions that are being driven is anger and fear and I, I think that people shouldn't walk around every day as black men or black women promoting this 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 idea of fear not saying that you should just do whatever you want or be out in the open and just think that you're that you that you're untouchable but just be aware of your surroundings be aware of where you are be aware of where you live be aware of where you're going and when you're out and about and understand that there's a there's a there's a time and there's a place for certain th- situations and you have to ask yourself are certain things worth it are certain things worth getting upset over? So, and it all depends on who you are as a person and the, the, your life experiences, because everybody is different. So everybody will react differently to being pulled over or stopped by the police versus somebody who has never had any sort of like run-ins or any sort of dealings with the police. They might be a little bit more compliant. So you never know. Right. And I think back to you know NBA players coming up to their communities I think you saw that with Russell Westbrook as well DeMar DeRozan in LA and then Carl Anthony Towns Stephen Jackson in uh, Minneapolis so I mean I think the biggest argument of like Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard is their whole thought process is if games are being televised now we're going to be taking people off the streets protesting and they're going to be watching games instead to kind of distract them yeah because I heard I heard yeah yeah, yeah, I heard it's like them saying like the highlights and uh, the games is going to be the, the 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 things that are on TV or on social media that are trending versus the social movements, and that's that's true, that's true. But it isn't to say that necessarily if those games are going on, you can't still make statements, you can't still alongside with them still do things. But I don't want to make it seem as if I'm on one side or the other. Because I, I completely see both points of views. My my and I don't want it to make it seem like I'm rooting for them to one hundred percent come back because I just desperately want to see NBA basketball. Like I'm I'm cool if 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 some players are just like, look, I don't feel right about this. I don't know if I can continue to do this because there's more important things going on than basketball. So uh and I think that those who want to continue playing shouldn't be ridiculed either or or called uh or being labeled as um oh they just want to win a championship or oh they just want to play basketball or they're not seeing the bigger picture so it's there's that's why i say when with these protests people don't understand you have to be willing to step inside the other person's shoes and be willing to see things from another perspective and if you're not willing to do that it's going to be very, very difficult for you to have any sort of change because you're just going to be locked in and solely focused on what your viewpoints are instead of seeing things from uh, one angle or the other. But I mean, Patrick Beverly said the person as far as players goes that holds all the power is LeBron James. Right. He will dictate and decide what's going to happen. 
Right. Patrick Beverly came out and tweeted that he said, quote, hoopers say what y'all want. But if LeBron James said he's hooping, we're all hooping. Not personal, only business, hashtag stay woke. So, I mean, we all know LeBron is the best player in the NBA right now. And uh, how much – oh, are you shaking your head? I mean, mean, it's debatable. I mean, you can say Kawhi. I mean, okay, given given all the factors. I will say this. He's the most notorious player, and he's still the face of the NBA. He's 100% still the face of the league. Still the face of the league, yes. For sure. Um, but with that being said, I mean, he's been doing this over countless of years in the NBA. Consist- he is the definition of consistency. Oh, yeah, and for sure. with that being said, he has so much power both on court and off the court. So how much power should LeBron's words, or in this case, lack of words, since he's not saying anything about continuing the season, should you know the NBA hold or take into account when it comes to the NBA resuming? season like i said lebron's the face of the league so it's and he's already made it clear they're going to continue the season he wants to continue the season and so um look is it, is it i mean yeah he's getting older and you know his i mean the guy's prime is probably the longest we've ever seen in nba history um but is it considered selfish that he hasn't said anything or i mean he said a. Uh, he said a great deal. He said a lot. It's just, I think sometimes we get caught up in what have you done for me lately? You know, you know what I mean? Right, like right. a lot of people get caught up in looking at like, what have you done for me lately? And and don't get me wrong. Like I've, I've called out LeBron several different occasions and I've been like, okay, this dude is sometimes a hypocrite. I mean, yeah. He pointed at Laura Ingram for how she said that him and KD should shut up and dribble and then all of a sudden she says, like, oh, Drew Brees has the right to just say whatever he wants to say. But on the same time, it's like, LeBron, like, okay, you'll speak out about certain things, but when everybody wants you to speak out about the China situation, mm-hmm. then you went silent. So, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, to say, look, to say, to say that we aren't all in some sort of way a little bit of hypocritical is kind of <laughs> not having a little bit of self-awareness. We are all a little a bit of a hypocrite. A little bit. A little bit. I don't, I don't care – who you are in some way capacity, you have a little bit of that in you. And it's just, you have to be willing to, I think, recognize what's important to you. Now, if like, I, I, I think like for me, I've always been somebody, if I don't know about the issue, if I don't know about the topic, I'm not going to speak on it. I'm not going to speak on it because I'm not going to put out a, a message that represents me when I'm not fully understanding of what, the 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 scenario or situation was but with LeBron I feel like sometimes he may speak a little too early on things or he's not fully aware of certain things or I wish that a reporter, or he just chooses not to yeah or he because just I think not to and that's his right and that's his right to to choose not to speak on something but my and thing is that's... that it, it goes back to like the whole situation with Harrison Barnes like the dude tweets out about like, man, this man got traded and had no idea he was on the bench. But it's like, dude, like you're trying to trade your whole team to get Anthony Davis. It's like, it's like not having that self-awareness sometimes. And I'm just thinking like, that's, that's, that's just kind of weird to me. But um, LeBron, that's not to say that he's not uh, a great player or he's not um, going to go down as a definite hall of famer or anything like that. But LeBron James, I think right now has, he holds the keys and he decides what they're going to do. And I feel like selfish or not, the NBA is going to go on (laughs) regardless of what people say. The NBA is going to go on. The NBA is going to continue. It'll be interesting though, if they decide to, I don't know, present some sort of gesture. Now, obviously the NBA has rules in place that prevents them from like taking a knee during during the national anthem, but maybe they decide to make t-shirts or maybe they decide to do something before the game bring back the i can't breathe shirts maybe maybe i don't know like maybe they just decide to do something that lets everybody know yeah we're playing but we ain't forgot yeah right. we're 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 back the nba's back but we ain't forgot about still pushing for social ju- social justice reform so, right there you go yeah for sure. I definitely 
see that happening. Um, all right, well, that's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Again, make sure you're following us on social media, on Twitter, at the underscore nosebleeds, on Instagram, the nosebleeds, that's K-N-O-W-S, bleeds. Check us out on um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts, we're there. That's pretty much it. Any last words, Corey? Uh, just everybody continue to stay safe out there. I know it's summertime. I know you want to go outside. I know you want to play around. I know you want to maybe grill, barbecue, whatever the case may be. But please just remember to stay safe. Remember to keep your loved ones safe. And to just remember to stay tuned to the nosebleeds because we are your number one source when it comes to sports podcasts, baby. Yes, sir. Deuces.